On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we talked about Favicon madness and how Google is already combating Favicon spam through automation. We talk about going live on Twitter and bringing others along only with audio. And Hope got all fired up about Instagram influencers. And Greg played a new game called Smart Cop, Dumb Cop on the new North Face campaign. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Hope. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on May 31st, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. If you want to follow along, check out our show notes. Head over to marketingaclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Oh, first things first. Jess is not in this week as she is out gallivanting across the country, the East Coast to be exact, frolicking with horses, swimming with sharks, seeing our nation's great history. Really? Yeah, all those things, minus the sharks. Horses? Yes, that seeing wild like horses, I believe. She's, she's doing that as we speak, as we record. So our wonderful sound engineer, Hope, is filling in and will be here for today's show. So let's get on to our main news. And first up, Google is penalizing favicons that are already in search. Last week, Google announced a new mobile search design that de-emphasized the ad label by turning it black, and allowing favicons to show in the organic listings for sites on mobile search only. Well, guess what? My initial thought was, hey, people are going to start spamming this, going to start doing crazy things with favicons, and they have. Google is already <laughs> out there banning favicons. And one of the things that I talked about is maybe people would put something like ad in there. And Jess said, well, that would be dumb. Well, you know what? Bill Hartzer, a digital marketer, internet marketer, search guy, put ad as his favicon, and then he got <laughs> his favicon banned. And I knew that this was going to happen. Not only were there inappropriate things like ad label being used as favicons, but what Google had also mentioned wouldn't be allowed, like a swastika was allowed as well, and then banned. I thought and you said that. It was from the Google notes that, oh, okay. that hate images or inappropriate images or images didn't represent the brand or pornographic images or anything inappropriate would be banned. But apparently the machine learning wasn't up to par yet as a lot of these things slipped through as we called last week. Well, Danny Sullivan over at Google from his da at Danny Sullivan Twitter handle said, we have automated means and already can take reports by those who use the feedback link at the bottom of the page or through our spam reporting page. If we think we need more specific tools, those might get added. So there's automated means now to control spam and inappropriate favicons. Who knew that this was coming? <laughs> so again, I just hope that if you're out there putting these things in place that are inappropriate, you just get your favicon banned for life, that you're not allowed to use it anymore. Don't be mean. Right? Like, is it that hard? I just think it's funny how this literally went live last week. 
yeah and how short a time it takes for people to push the envelope it's just it's amazing yes yeah and and from what i've seen too the the example of bill hartzer he had put that label his favicon is ad and i believe that he does not have a new favicon now it is just the default it sort of looks like a globe now right. so if you do get banned it looks like a globe all right next up in news is from twitter we can now go live with guests and twitter said starting today your tweets are going hashtag irl and now you can host a live video and invite up to three people as guests those you allow to join can be heard by everyone and can drop off at any time so basically one user is hosting a live broadcast and appears on the video and then that host can invite as many people as they want up to three to join but the people who join are going to be audio only if you have a live video apparently you can ask to join the live feed as audio only participant and be accepted so oh like you don't have to be invited first i can just find a live video on twitter and be like i want to join this here here's but the they thing. have to accept me that is what it seems like but the issue is the video that twitter put out did you watch the video that twitter put out no i didn't see a video okay there's a video that twitter put out it is impossible to tell what's happening because there's somebody broadcasting live you can't hear what she's saying and then people are trying to request to get in and it's just music the whole time you can't hear what she it doesn't make any sense it doesn't show what the product is actually doing so i can't tell exactly what's happening but it appears that you can have a broadcast somebody can request to join you and then you can accept that request or not it seems like that might be arduous like if you've got a lot of folks that follow you that and are on a broadcast really annoying what if everybody's like hey, i want to come so on, I, come on <laughs> I think it's cool that you can have a conversation with people in the audio format and it doesn't make it about them as much you know that that's I guess. something that's distracting is you see those hangouts or something like that or if you're on a big skype call or anything where all these people just start getting big and small based off of who's talking. This just keeps it about the original broadcaster, which I think is nice. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of live videos. I never watch them. Even famous people, even Instagram live videos, they're just so boring because they go live and then they have to wait for everybody else to come in. And then they're just reading the comments and I leave like a few seconds later. You know what's the best part of live videos on Instagram? What? The first 10 seconds. It's always five the best. seconds and then you it's leave. The no, it's the best. That's the best part where people just say, <laughs> I'm turning this on. Is this working? I've never gone live before. Are people coming? Oh, wow. Look, that escalated quickly. Oh, it's hi, people. Terrible. Oh, it's the best. It's the worst. And even worse, when you accidentally click on a live video, sometimes your friend's random cousin like starts a live video and you accidentally click it because it like, looks oh, like hey, a hope. highlight. Welcome. They see your username <laughs> and you're like panicking because you have to get out of there. It's it's not my thing. I want to see a cut reel of everybody's everybody famous their first 10 seconds of a live video <laughs> just i want to see hours of it hours and hours <laughs> of people welcoming it on is this thing on is this working i've done this before that would actually be hilarious okay and our last news story here this week is a very controversial one and it's called the north face used wikipedia to climb to the top of google search results this comes from a video produced by the North Face. The North Face started an ambitious <laughs> adventure of trying to do better with Google image search, according to this video. Oh boy. Oh boy, is right. <laughs> and they decided, well, if we could get into Wikipedia, 
and put our images in there. That would really help because Wikipedia is a very powerful website. So then they thought even further about this and said, what if we get really good pictures of each of these top locations people are looking for, these outdoorsy folks are looking for, let's put our gear in with these locations. So they hired photographers, videographers, and models, apparently, and they Probably. went to each of these locations and took a picture mm -hmm. with the North Face gear on there. Some of the pictures that they used aren't that bad. It's it's maybe like... They're a, pretty nice. Yeah. One of them with the backpack and the lighthouse or whatever is a little bit much. It's I like, mean, it's all like, there's only so much you can do with a North Face <laughs> backpack in a landscape. But so they planted all of their products in here and then successfully had that accepted into Wikipedia so that when people search for these outdoor locations, North Face would show up in the image with that location by way of Wikipedia. All right, so first <laughs> off, this is genius, but there is something that is not genius, and it was a video that was shown on the Ad Age article where they basically outed themselves for doing this, and they talked about how ridiculously awesome they were, that we did what nobody has done before. We hacked the results to reach one of the most <laughs> difficult places, largest search engine. They went out and completely outed themselves, breaking all these terms of services, and for no reason, I guess, other than to be like, hey, we're a cool agency, or hey, we did something cool. I, to me, they, they hired a company, uh, an agency called Leo Burnett, and I'd have to imagine that the agency was behind this. Oh, by say, yeah. By saying, hey, look how cool we are. Yeah, because how would why, North Face even know how to do that? Yeah, why would you be like, hey, let's, let's show all this inappropriate stuff <laughs> we've done? And the video is super douchey, too. It's to I the max. I thought it was a nice video. It was a nicely produced video, but... It was just terrible messaging. It was. But it was nice quality. The quality of the videos was fine. Yeah. It was a nice quality video. It was video. a nice quality video. The message was terrible. <laughs> Even to the fact where they said, we paid absolutely nothing just by collaborating with Wikipedia. Hope, guess what? They didn't collaborate with Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia had nothing to do with this. To the fact that Liam Wyatt from Wikimedia, the parent company of Wikipedia, said, thanks to the braggadocio video and your article, we've now removed the product placement from all articles. The user count behind the edits have been reported for breaching the terms of user for undisclosed paid advocacy for shame at the North Face. For shame. I like that. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Game of Thrones uh, style. Really? This is my favorite. Furthermore, Wikimedia and or the Wikimedia Foundation and Wikipedia said that they did not collaborate on this stunt as the North Face falsely claims. In fact, what they did was akin to defacing public property, which is surprising direction from the North Face. Their stated mission, unchanged since 1966, is to support the preservation of the outdoors, a public good held in trust for all of us. Whew, shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. Really? And then the North Face had to go back and say, we believe in deeply in Wikipedia's mission and apologize for engaging in activity inconsistent with those principles. They've ended the campaign and moving forward, they'll be better. First, <laughs> that's just so shady to promote your products like that. And then to go one step further, like I just want to know how this idea went about. They all just sat around a table and was like, let's cheat our way to the top of Google Images and then let's make a video and tell everybody how we did it. That's See, amazing. I, I think that there's, there's 
in my mind, there's like a good cop and a bad cop at the agency. And the good cops, oh, I know this genius way to get to the top of the search results. We're going to take amazing pictures of all these places and we're just going to sprinkle our stuff in there. And then the bad cops, hmm, I don't know if that's going to work. And then it works and they're like, oh my God, we need to make a video showing how we did this. This is so amazing. Look at these results. But why would you want to? Why you would wouldn't. you want to share that? Like, it's a secret. Like, why would you want to tell uh, all your competitors that? You shouldn't. That's okay, like, maybe it's not a good cop and a bad cop. It's a smart cop and a dumb yeah. cop. And a dumb, dumb cop is like, cop. I need to take credit for this. Look how amazing this is. <laughs> literally in the video, they say, we hacked the image results. That's yeah. not a good term. It's not a good look. Why? And the other thing is people are upset. People want blood. <laughs> Every post from either Leo Burnett or the North Face is, they'll put a, a tweet out and the response will be, why are you hacking Wikipedia? Shame on you. Donate here. It's, yeah. it's a bunch of donate they links. It's dumb. Yeah. Well, that does it for the main news on this truncated week. And it brings us to this week's take of the week. And our take of the week is a take that is so hot, so scorching that we have to share it with our audience here on today's show. And this week's take comes from the wonderful Pamela Lund at Pamela Lund on Twitter. And a little pre-qualification here. She started by saying, I've had to turn off smart shopping campaigns for two clients due to high volume of non-US traffic. They're pushing 4,400 clicks from the Ukraine this month for a company that doesn't ship outside the US. Yet we have no way to exclude geos. This is a problem. And she said, and don't try to tell me there are 3,000 people in Uzbekistan who are interested in purchasing high-end furniture for delivery in the US. All valid points. And here's just the best take. And also a big LOL at this from Google. Your first line of defense against invalid activity is to optimize your accounts. Your ads receive only the most targeted clicks and impression, given that smart shopping has the most invalid clicks by far. That's a pretty good take. <laughs> I feel like you're about to go on a rant because Google. There's no rant here. I mean, if you can't exclude geos and the advice that Google is giving you isn't to say, hey, we're going to help you. It's for you to optimize your account so that your ads don't show and you don't have the tools to do so. I mean, come on. That sounds like pretty general help from corporate. Yeah. And it's not taking any accountability, you know, to say, hey, the best way to stop invalid clicks is for you to do it on your own. Oh, and guess what? You can't exclude geos. So you can't exclude certain geography. Well, how am I going to do it on my own if I can't do that? It's just like the most obvious statement. All right. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. And this is where we break down the paid and non-paid stories each week. So first up, we're going to talk about what is going on in paid. And from Google themselves, they have an article called From Target Search Page Location and Outranking Share to Target Impression Share. What a title of this article <laughs> right. this week. But essentially, back in November, Google Ads released Target Impression Share that we covered here on the show. For those people who are looking to show in a certain percentage of eligible auctions. So starting in late June, advertisers will no longer be able to add new target search page location bid strategies or target outranking share bid strategies. And instead, they're all going to be filtered into target impression share. That's what's going to be replacing these two. Later in the year, we don't know when this is gonna happen. Any existing campaigns that are using target search page location or target outranking share strategies will be automatically migrated to the target impression share strategy. So that's a whole lot of words and a whole lot of bid 
talk. So if you have been using any of those antiquated bid strategies, you're now on target impression share. To me, I've never seen any success with target outranking share. It's been really buggy every time I've tried to use it and we don't really use it anymore because of that. So I'm good with it. Good riddance, get rid of it. All hail uh, target impression share, welcome. All right, and that was it for not, for paid. Jess had an easy week, and she took <laughs> off, sucker. All right, so now this week in non-paid, we've got quite a lot. And first up is mobile-first indexing by default for new domains. And this comes from Google. And starting July 1st, mobile-first indexing will be enabled by default for all new previously unknown domains to Google search. And what does this mean for you? Hopefully, you're not buying a domain and putting up some non-mobile responsive site that can't be crawled or has all the content hidden on mobile and only displayed on desktop, you need to be better. Google's just kind of telling everybody that. So make sure that whatever your site is has all the content on its mobile version and is rocking from the mobile perspective. Next up is an article called Investing in the Podcast Ecosystem in 2019. And this article comes from Andreessen Horowitz. I started reading this article and I almost didn't finish. I'm actually glad I did finish this article, but the first sentence reads like this. In a world of podcasting, the flywheel is spinning. New technologies, including AirPods, connected cars, and smart speakers have made it much easier for consumers to listen to audio content which in turn creates more revenue and financial opportunity for creators, which further encourages high-quality audio content to flow into the space. What? <laughs> you didn't like that? What is that? <laughs> you think people are listening to podcasts more because of AirPods and connected cars? Get out of here. Podcasts are better. Yeah. It's not, you're not like, oh my God, I got AirPods. I'm going to start listening to podcasts. I guess it's saying that streaming's easier, right? With AirPods? Do you know, I don't, know, I don't have AirPods? I don't have AirPods. Yeah, I'm not. Well, that you can't rich. listen to podcasts then. You're the problem. I have a connected car. <laughs> okay. Do you have a connected car? Or do you have Bluetooth? Bluetooth isn't that what a connected it's not car is? Technically a connected car. Oh, I thought that's like what it Android, is. Like Android, like an Android car or something like that. Oh no, um, I don't have any of these things then. Well then, you can't I listen to podcasts. Listen podcasts. <laughs> Get out of here! What are you <laughs> even doing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, I read that. It sounded like a broken robot wrote, wrote it. But thankfully, I read the rest of the article here, <laughs> and it's really good. They have a ton of information on podcasting. If you're somebody out there trying to make a case for getting advertisers to your podcast, there's more information than you could ever want. 68 pages and uh, something you can download. There's a lot of great information like the fact Americans listening to weekly podcasts grew from 7% in 2013 to 22% in 2019. Also, listeners are generally educated, 30% graduate degrees, and millennials, there's 44% of listeners are millennials, so mm -hmm. it's, it's like the thing to do. It's a trend. Hey, check out my pod, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But there's a ton of information. Click through the show notes if you want to find anything that you could ever imagine about a podcast. Jeez, They've got it 68 there. pages. Yeah, that's a lot. All right. Next up is an article from eMarketer. And eMarketer reduces U.S. time spent estimates for Facebook and Snapchat. The average daily time spent on the platform by U.S. adult users fell by three minutes in 2018. And that time will remain unchanged this year. So in 2018, the time dropped three minutes. 
but they've also reduced their forecast for Facebook compared to the previous figures. So people are going to be using less, according to eMarketers projections here, the average minutes per day of Facebook dropped from a high of 41 minutes a day in 2017 down to 38 minutes in 2018 and is projected to be 37 minutes in 2020 and beyond. Snapchat is staying flat, 26 minutes a day. And the only riser, Instagram, gaining an extra minute a day projected <laughs> through, tw through 2021. Hope, do you find yourself spending more time on Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat? Oh, I am all about Instagram. Okay. I love Instagram. And the only reason, Facebook, I had to activate another account when I started working here because I deleted it. <laughs> like in high school or college, I think. I was just so over it. I'm still kind of over Facebook, but Instagram is my go-to. So are you back though, now that you had to activate it for, the, I mean, for this job? It's, yeah, I friended some people. It's nice. Like I get why people like it. You see pictures that you don't see anywhere else. and You, you get to see what a lot of parents are up to. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, yeah, it's more for family now because everybody is on it. Back in the day when I was, I don't even know when I got my first Facebook, like 10. I didn't tell my parents because they didn't want me to have one. Well, yeah, so you I was legally a rebel. can't have one when you're 10. Good I job, I think mom I was and dad. Little, I think I was a little older. I don't think I was <laughs> okay. 10. But now it's, it's your grandparents are on it and your parents are on it. So it's more like a family connection. Okay. All right. That's well, how I see it's it. It's the new Ancestry.com, <laughs> according to Hope. All right. Next up, Google Developers came out with a guide for the how-to structured data. There's some good information in the guide on the developers.google.com site, such as don't mark up non-step data, such as a summary or introduction section as a step. So don't make step zero or something like that. There's a lot of information on how to perform better. One minor issue I have though, I ran through the Google structured data testing tool and there's no how-to markup on the how-to markup guide. That's a perfect opportunity wow. to show how to markup in action, right? Here's how you do how to markup. Step one, two, three, four. Furthermore, there's the markup on that page is completely botched. There's four errors, there's a whole bunch of warnings, and it's not a good look if you are telling people how to implement structured <laughs> data. So clean that up, Google. All right, next up from 9to5google.com, another Google story, and it's called Google to restrict modern ad blocking Chrome extension to enterprise users. That's a big long title to say that if you're using a ad blocker and you're not using a paid version of Chrome, which would be the enterprise version, it will not work anymore. This came from Manifest version three. Chrome had announced this earlier. There's a lot of blowback from this, but they're standing firm on the ad blocking changes. I think to get a Chrome Enterprise version, I believe the enterprise is about $50 per user per year. I don't know if that's ballooned up or down, but when it was announced, that's where it was. The way I think of it, I've kind of got two hats. I'm ready. Two ways about it. So let me put on my human Greg hat. Okay. This is super lame. <laughs> when, Google, when Google launched Chrome 10 and a half years ago, they said, it's because we believe we can add value for users and at the same, try, same time, help drive innovation on the web. This isn't an innovation. <laughs> this is taking away people's ability to block ads. Yeah. It's hard not to look at this as a ploy for somebody that sells a lot of ad space. But let me put on my advertiser Greg hat. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't have any issues with this. 
more ad space. <laughs> All right, next up, Google Search 3D Objects with AR support is now live. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when it was announced at Google I.O. And it's here live. You can maybe see this on your mobile device if you are using Chrome. I don't think it's in the Google app yet, but we saw it here with a shark or a panda. When you do a search for those specific items, you will see a 3D rendering of that shark. Then what you can do is you can bring it into your space. So we tried it here and we pulled a shark <laughs> right into the office and we we're just having to eat people's heads. I don't even think Andy knew, but there's a no. shark about to eat his head. Yeah, it was the coolest thing. I tried it on my phone. It didn't work. So I had to update my phone and it worked. Oh, I updated <laughs> my phone to use this feature. That's how cool it is. And the biggest thing, was it worth the update of the phone? Yes. Okay. I'm so excited to go home and show everybody this. <laughs> I'm going to show my kids my four-year-old. It's so like, cool. Hey, look at this. You're sitting next to a panda. They're like, Ooh. Yeah, it's the coolest thing. All right. So next up, Google has fixed the indexing issue from Thursday night. We didn't get to cover this on last week's Marketing Clock episode, but Google's no indexing bug happened late on Thursday night. We record Thursday night-ish, and it has been fixed. So two and a half days after the second iteration of Google's new indexing bug. <laughs> I think that's like a feature. Their new indexing bug. I just feel like there's always an indexing <laughs> yeah. bug. <laughs> it's fully resolved. So if you were to say, where should I update my annotations? Update your annotations in Google Analytics for the 23rd and the 24th as there were indexing problems. Next up, Google adds dish discovery to the menu. This comes from blog.google. And when you do a search for a restaurant, you'll now be able to surface popular items on a menu. This is powered by machine learning algorithm that matches dish names provided by Google Maps users with relevant photos and reviews. Cool. You're going to have machines tell you what food is the best. <laughs> and I honestly just added this to the news because I liked the dish discovery pun. Okay. <laughs> if you weren't going to say something, I was going to say this is the best <laughs> title of anything I've ever read. All right. And that does it for this week's lightning round. And it brings us to our real life segment where we talk about what is going on in our marketing lives. It's time for working hard. Or hardly working. Where we talk about what's going on, good or bad, in our accounts this week. And I've got something really good going on in my Google account. Oh. One nice feature that you have with Google Ads for YouTube or for Gmail campaigns only is that you can target people by life events. That sounds kind of creepy, and it, and it is. You can say, like, <laughs> now you can say, I'm targeting somebody who th is thinking about buying a cat, which is just strange. I feel like all targeting is kind of creepy <laughs> to a certain point. So. Shh, put your advertiser hat on. <laughs> <laughs> so this was released back in early 2018. And back then, you only had three options. You could target people uh, based on college graduation, marriage, and moving. Since then, it's been expanded. We put out a blog post on Cypress North, just so I can keep track of this, to be honest with you, <laughs> because I'd always keep a running Google Drive doc that's what live events you can target. And I'm like, oh, let's make it a blog post so I always know where it is. And you now can target things like we had some, some client where it would only make sense to target people that were not renters because there was installation costs. It had to be a homeowner to really purchase this product. There's a life event now called Purchasing a Home. And you can say, I want to target people who are purchasing a home soon or people that have recently purchased a home. So this is something, again, maybe you're talking about furniture delivery or something like that. You've got a furniture site like we talked about earlier. 
this might be a life event that you can use to hone in your YouTube targeting or your Gmail targeting as well. And then one other thing, and again, head over to cypressnorth.com, check out the blog if you want to see all the options. In this case, for this specific client, there's something called detailed demographics that you can target as well. Also only for YouTube and only for Gmail ads, something like home, home ownership status. You can tar target people that are homeowners or renters. And there's a lot of life events now. They've really broken that up instead of just having those three levels, there's life events and then even these detailed demographics. And we pulled that out and just put it in a blog post for you. So that's what's going good. And now it's time for this week's W T H. And this week's WTH comes from cosmopolitan.com. Hope, have you ever heard of Cosmopolitan? Oh, I love Cosmo. It's great. <laughs> and Hope is also our sound engineer and our resident fashion expert. So we couldn't have a better fill-in here this week. And the article is called, An Influencer with 2 Million Followers Couldn't Sell 36 T-Shirts and Twitter Is Not Okay. <laughs> Capital Not Okay. Great title. <laughs> so an influencer named At Ari, A-R-I-I. Yeah. Yep has 2.6 million Instagram followers, I believe, started a fashion line called ERA, E-R-A, failed to sell the 36 t-shirts required for her to start said clothing line. So she came out onto Instagram and said, breaks my heart to have to write this post. <laughs> As you all know, I've released my brand, I poured my heart into this drop for my photo shoot, I flew out a photographer, a makeup artist, so on and so forth, and gets to the point to say, I have to sell at least 36 pieces. But I was getting such good feedback that people loved it and were going to buy it. Furthermore, no one has kept their word, so the company won't be able to send out the orders to people. It breaks my heart. Don't worry, you'll get a refund. So apparently she had thought that she'd have people buying the product, and it didn't come through, and so she's upset at the people. I have so many thoughts about this. Okay. So first off, she's an influencer. Do you have any thoughts on that? I I know there are nice influencers out there. I get it. You're good people. But I just can't stand that as a job title. It's my least favorite thing to come out of Instagram. Hot take. I didn't know that was a job title. It's a job title. That's, like it's an actual... Literally, influencer. That's what they Resume. call themselves. That's what people strive for. 2018, 2019, yes. influencer. <laughs> like that's their dream job, to be an influencer on Instagram. I'm not even kidding. This okay. is the world we live in right now. I think it's crazy that you can be called an influencer based off of followers. Yeah. That's such a bad metric. You have 2.6 million followers. That doesn't make you an influencer. You, I clearly shouldn't have enough influence to sell 36 <laughs> pieces even if it's she came out and clarified that it was supposed to be 36 pieces from each product or something yeah like so that. it had to be like a total of 260 products okay. which she said was really hard which is not hard okay. if you're an influencer yeah maybe take that off your resume <laughs> maybe if, if that's the problem you have 280 to hit and you can't influence uh, that many sales maybe, maybe drop drop that off this whole thing is just very cringy and the part that bugged me the most was is, is how she's dealing with this the caption that she wrote on the instagram post she's literally blaming her followers for lying to her because they told her that she would they would buy her product and then they didn't but i did a little research on my own oh i did oh boy <laughs> i'm like fbi hope right now so um, I went and stalked her social media because that's the first thing you always do an investigation. 
And on her Twitter on May, May 10th, I want to say of 2019, yeah. She posted a video, a promo video of her brand and said that the business was open. Okay. That's it. I stalked the rest of her Twitter <laughs> feed and that was the only tweet she had about her brand. That was it. Just that it was open. And then I went back to her Instagram and she did not post one picture of her wearing her clothing line. No announcements, nothing. It's just pictures of her posing in different parts of her life. I don't even know. Like, I don't know what she expected. She has 2 million followers and she thinks everyone can read her mind and is like, oh, Ari opened a clothing brand. I got this telepathic message from her. I'm going to go buy. No, literally Kylie Jenner has... 10 times more of the followers as she does. And she Never knows how to market her brand. You know who Kylie Jenner is. <laughs> and she still marks it, markets her brand. Ugh. Okay. I so just... here's something I thought was interesting. There's a Twitter named Jack Appleby at Juicebox CA on Twitter. He did a little sleuthing himself. One mm -hmm. thing he noticed is that the clothing line was way different than every other post she's ever had. And yeah. I went back through and I see a lot of, how did you pronounce the name? Ari? Ari? Era? Era. Era. So Era had halter tops and swimsuits and then comes out with this line, Era, that looks like generic athletic gear with a dopey design know. on it. Yeah, it was sweatshirts, sports bras. I don't really know what her aesthetic was. So I guess that's another thing. Hey, if you're building up your following of swimsuits and crop tops, maybe don't come out with a athletic line. That might not be exactly what you influence is right. athletic wear. Right. So Maybe it's why she didn't post any pictures to her own Instagram. Do you know you just agreed with me on a fashion topic? I did. <laughs> That's a first. <laughs> I did. And okay. my other favorite tweet, I should find it. Um, there are a bunch of tweets on this post from Cosmopolitan. And at Chas Sidity, I don't know how to say that. No, that sounded perfect. Sidity. <laughs> She said, not so hot take, the failure and subsequent pity party is her marketing angle and she'll use it later to pivot and say how she overcame adversity and tried to sell ebooks on the road to success. A phoenix rising from 35 sale <laughs> ashes. <laughs> Either this girl is just not meant to run a business in the nicest way or she is brilliant beyond her years. I don't yes. know. I hope, I hope that she is brilliant beyond her years. I hope. But. And one final takeaway on this is this isn't how you act if you're a winner, no. right? You take that out and then look for some accountability and figure out how to actually sell 36 pieces. You don't follow up with a tweet saying, like, I hate seeing that post and seeing people talk about it. It breaks my heart every time. It's not my fault people didn't want to buy. Not everything takes off in the first try. It is actually your fault that people didn't buy. She, you didn't tweet about it. She didn't it. tell anybody. It's a bad product. <laughs> You did the photo shoot. You came up with everything. It is oh your fault. Oh my gosh. I like how fault. she says that I flew out a photographer and a makeup <laughs> artist. She's something like that's what every clothing line has done since the beginning of time. It's not hard work. Yes. I just. Instead say it's my fault. I'm going to come back better. Fault. Just blame your followers. That's, that's the road to success. All right. And that brings us to this week's cool tool. Right. A reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not official endorsement or a paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. This week's Cool Tool, favicon.io. We've had a lot of talk about favicons over the past two weeks, 
And as long as you're not putting something naughty in there, favicon.io is a great tool. It is simple. It gets right to the point. There's minimal advertising. You can make a favicon out of text if you've got no imagery. You can do many different things using favicon.io to make a favicon that your heart desires. It's a very simple tool. It's not new, but it is something definitely usable, useful in 2019. So check that out. And last up, our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so in-depth, so advanced that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Andy Drinkwater on IQ SEO. And he came up with the article called The Ultimate SEO Audit Checklist. Now, what Andy did is he painstakingly went through and came up with 187 primary areas that he covers when doing an audit and made it a checklist for folks that can look at all the different aspects that he looks at when he's auditing a site. He's got 15 different steps, anywhere from competitor analysis to architecture, images, mobile, and 11 more. <laughs> Additionally, Andy shows the tools that he uses for each, including a master list of all tools. It is a very comprehensive list for anybody looking to spruce up their search auditing game. Thank you, Andy. All right, and that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing the Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingtheclock.com. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing the Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And this week, Hope and I are going to play everybody's favorite game, Two Kinds of People. My favorite. Where we list something off, and there are only two kinds of people that can respond to said item. And first up, <laughs> there's two <laughs> kinds of people. People that like to eat non-breakfast items at Panera Bread Company and people that don't. Panera, like... The bread company. Just breakfast at Panera? No, not breakfast. So lunch or dinner items at Panera. Oh, you don't eat lunch or dinner at Panera? I, I just said there's two kinds of people. <laughs> you either like lunch and di Panera dinners or you don't. I don't think I've ever had breakfast at Panera. Okay. I'm the person who eats lunch or dinner. I get the salad and the pasta and the rolls and the soup. Oh. And, and do you like Panera? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's all right. Okay. I think it's disgusting. It's, it's not like my it's top faux favorite. Health food. It's faux health food. Yeah. It's not, people think it's they're so high and mighty eating at Panera, and they're like, oh, I got this bread bowl over. Panera is gross. It's fast food. I'd rather be at, yeah, it's fast food. <laughs> it Thank is. you. It is. My wife is always like, oh, it's so gross. I'm like, I'd just rather get a salad at Wendy's and call it what it is. Like, yeah. Wendy's salad is fine. It's a fast food salad. Yeah. And that's what Panera is. It's fast food. It is. But the commercial makes it look like it's this organic health food yeah, store. It's not. It's, not. it's fast no. food. You're, you're just eating fast food yeah. when you go to Panera. But I do like their, their bagels and stuff for breakfast. So you're the breakfast person. I, I, I think it's a different, completely different menu. They've got really good bagels and they've got interesting cream cheese and stuff like that. 
I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like a loser, <laughs> like a loser take. But it's just to me, Panera. It's all bagels, and then I feel like the question should have been: Are you the type of person who thinks Panera is fast food, or no? Okay. And I don't think we're the people who think Panera is fast food. We agreed. Today. All right. There's first for everything. Okay. There are two kinds of people: people that like trailers that encompass 90% of the movie and show you the entire arc and show you everything that's going to happen and then people that don't like those trailers at all. Here's my take on that. <laughs> if you watch a trailer and they put all of the good scenes in the trailer and then you go to the movie and the movie is terrible, that's a good tell sign that it's not going to be a good movie. Because they're putting the best scenes in the trailer. If you're putting the best scenes in the trailer, it's, what else is there? There's nothing. That's my kind of key to deciphering if it's a good movie or not. So do you like seeing the entire arc of the story in a trailer or no? Oh, it depends on the movie. <laughs> no. Okay. I want a little mystery. If you're giving me the whole thing, it's not a good movie. Okay, I want all mystery. I don't. I like just somebody saying that I trust, recommending a movie, and then going and knowing nothing about it. Yeah, that's what I want. I want to know nothing about it. I kind of agree with you on this one. Those Gosh. those trailers, mm. uh, that Star Wars world would put out or something, where it's just I forget her name, the girl, but she's just standing in the desert, and then this ship is just flying at her, and that's it. That's the trailer. That's like the promo. Okay, that's I love that. Yeah, all that's right. good mystery. Okay. So we're two for two agreeing on these. So here's another one. There's two kinds of people. People that like mint ice cream and people that don't. <laughs> what kind of person are you? I, I like mint ice cream. Okay. Do you? No, it's oh, gross. I don't, we're so I, close I don't to want agreeing. ice cream that tastes like chewing gum. I don't it like mint ice cream. Like it doesn't taste like gum? So here's another follow-up question. It needs to have chocolate chips in it, though. Okay, here's another question. Do you like mint ice cream that isn't green? I've never, is that a thing? It is. I think Briars really? makes it. I think people like mint ice cream only because of the color. I've never seen it. It tastes the same? It's the same exact thing. It's just no food coloring in it. I'll have to look into that. I think people just like the green color. And it's something you grow up, oh, I want the green one. And then you get green ice cream. Oh, this is great. <laughs> no. It On like the color? Yes. I don't base my food off of colors. I think most people do. I don't think you would choose mint ice cream if it was just white ice cream. It's good. The chocolate chips? No. It's delicious. No, I, I, I thoroughly disagree with you there. <laughs> we are so close to agreeing. All right. And we'll see you next week.